0: Father, we are so privileged to be here. I pray that uh, last session on a Saturday, lots of food, a little bit of a warm room. Uh, late nights last night, Lord, adds up to being a little bit tired. So I pray that supernaturally, uh, you would give, the, give us the energy to tune in and to hear from you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would, um, even as I talk, that you would change my heart and our hearts about this whole idea of how do we raise uh, godly kids. So we want to give you these next few minutes and ask that you will use them greatly for the sake of your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, Todd read something to you that was a little bit funny last night about the whole parenting deal. I have a parenting job description right here that I want to read to you if I can. And this is courtesy of the messengers. They slipped this to me. Um, and here's what it says. It's the position of mom or dad. Okay, And it starts with this whole, like, here are the responsibilities for a mom and dad. First of all, the term is for the rest of your life. Okay, You must be willing to be hated, at least temporarily, until someone needs $5. (laughs) You must be willing to bite your tongue repeatedly, almost must possess the physical stamina of a pack mule, be able to go from 0 to 60 miles per hour in 3 seconds flat in case... This time, the screams from the backyard are not someone just crying wolf. Must be willing to face stimulating stimulating technical challenges, such as small gadget repair, mysteriously sluggish toilets, and stuck zippers. Must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, and coordinate production of multiple homework projects. Must have ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and all mental outlooks. Must be willing to be indispensable one minute and embarrassment the next. Must handle assembly and product safety testing of a half million cheap plastic toys and battery-operated devices. Must always hope for the best but be prepared for the worst. Must assume final, complete, and accountability for the quality of the end product. And responsibilities also include floor maintenance and janitorial work throughout the facility. Second section, wages and compensation. Get this, you pay them. Offering frequent raises and bonuses, a balloon payment is due when they turn 18 because of the assumption that college will help them become financially independent. When you die, you give them whatever is left. The oddest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and wish you could only do it more. Can I tell you, and I mean, y'all have heard so much stuff, and it has been great stuff, and I've been in three or four of the different sessions and stuff like that, but I want to make sure y'all walk home. It's real easy to hear these really good communicators and folks who are really good parents up here and to walk away from this time with maybe some guilt and shame. Man, God's grace covers a multitude of parenting mistakes. Okay? So you need to walk away with that. Man, it is never too late. God is never finished with us or with our kids. You know, Todd said last night that Alex was a product of a family uh, that you would never think that a, a godly woman would come out of that. Man, my wife is exactly the same. Mom, dad, alcoholic, brother, alcoholic. She was going down the wrong road, and all of a sudden at the age of, Thirteen, some high school kid on a softball bleacher shared Christ with her and, bam, turned her life around and plucked her out of that environment. And she's been walking with Jesus ever since. Man, God's grace is good. And it covers a ton of multitude multitude of parenting mistakes. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about how do we kind of put a bow uh, on this weekend. And what I want to do is I hope to give you a framework for any time you think about how to parent you can go back to this passage of Scripture we're going to look, look at, and it will remind you very simply of what you need to be doing. But the first thing I need to do is remind you that our purpose, parents, family, church, all of us, is we are trying to raise godly kids is what we're trying to do. We're trying to make disciples in our home. But we have made, parents and church, have made an absolutely fundamental mistake. Okay? A huge mistake. And here's what we have done. Okay? This right here represents the number of hours, okay, that your kids are at church in any given year. If you come every single Sunday, the church gets your kids 52 hours a year, right? Okay? This right here represents the number of hours that your kids are at home with you. Okay? 2,500 to 3,500 hours a year, depending upon what life stage you are in. Okay? The fundamental mistakes that we have made, first, is that the church has come along and said, we are going to put all of our money, all of our resources, all of our people power, and we're going to invest... In these 52 hours, folks, we, Watermark, the church has blown it, okay? We have absolutely blown it because we as the church, Big C Church and Watermark, I feel like the last few years, have not been smart enough to see that we need to be investing in the 3,000 hours as well. And so as a representative of Watermark, I I just want to really ask your forgiveness. It seems really obvious that this is the right thing to do, but for whatever reason, and it's not just Watermark, it's the church worldwide as far as I'm concerned, but we've made a fundamental mistake in that we've put everything we're doing into this whole idea of the 52 hours that we have with your kids, and we're we're making a change. Okay, We're going to continue to do great stuff on Sunday morning for your kids, Okay, but we are about to start putting time, energy, and resources into these 3,000 hours that belong to you and your kids. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. We don't know when that's going to take place, but our heart is that we want to begin to do this. Now, that's our issue. Now I want to talk about your issue. Okay, Your issue is that you have let us do that. Okay, the Christian church in the United States okay, has absolutely abdicated their responsibility to the church to raise godly kids. Okay, you have said, we're going to let those church folks work with these 52 hours, okay, but we're not going to do stuff at home. And I tell you, I don't care if you go to the greatest church in the world that's absolutely perfect with these 52 hours. Your kids have got no shot. Okay? None. Because look at the hours that they've got at home with you. Okay? So we have made, we've both, church, parents, have made fundamental mistakes in how we think about this whole idea of raising godly kids. Okay? And the consequences have been significant. Folks, we have invited more pain in the lives of our kids and in our own lives then we can imagine. Unnecessarily, it's not necessary. Look, suffering is a part of the Christian life. You can read the New Testament, and it is part of our life, okay? But, but does anybody else want unnecessary suffering? I, I, if I'm suffering because of the mistakes I've made and the disobedience that I have, I, I don't want that. I want whatever God's got for me that's going to help shape me into a man of God, but I don't want to bring extra on myself because I've been disobedient. Okay? And so we have brought a ton of unnecessary pain and hurt and suffering into our life because we've been disobedient in this area. There's also some folks that have been thinking about this whole family ministry idea for several years that say Christian kids that grow up in church, Christian kids that go to college, we are losing 80% of them. Okay? When they leave high school and the church, we lose them. Now, some do come back. Here is the great news at Watermark. Man, our junior high and high school folks are knocking it out of the park. Those stats are not even close at Watermark. Okay, I don't know what our stats are, and I am so thankful for our student guys that are doing a great job with our kids because 80% is not the number at Watermark, but 80% is the number around Christianity in U.S. worldwide, that we're losing our kids. The third thing, the third consequence of this is that our kids are not prepared to stand up in the public square and stand up for Christ and who he is and to battle the philosophies and everything else that's out there. Todd, for those, those of y'all that were at church on Sunday, Todd told a great story about Kirby, man in the classroom on the whole creation deal, that Kirby just raised her hand and said, well, how do you know that the earth is that old? And the teacher gave her kind of a side swipe answer, and, and they had a great dialogue. Man, I hope my kids can raise their hand in class and ask questions like that in a respectful, loving, kind way. But we have not raised kids in the church that are able to stand up for Christ and the Scriptures. And so here's what I want to make a case for, okay, is that the home is the primary place for, to make disciples of your kids. The primary place. Man, we want to help like crazy, okay, at Watermark. And that's what we're going to do. This whole family ministry idea is to help you do that, but it is the family responsibility. It's the way it's always been, and it's the way that God designed it. So we're going to take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm going to set these down before I completely make a disaster. And I'm going to try to give you a framework that's going to help you to think about this whole deal. So in your notes, don't pay too much attention to the Uh, categories that are there, but I just want you to take, we're going to do four different things on there, okay? So write one, leave a little space, do another one, leave a little space, third one, a little space, and here's what I want you to put on each one. The first is, um, I want you to put verses, just put a V, one through three, and write out next to it, why teach? Okay, why teach? Go down a little bit. And put verses 4 through 5, and put what to teach. Okay, go down a little bit further. Verse 6, you're going to put the key to teach. And drop down a little bit more, verses 7 through 9. The how to teach. Folks, this is the core foundational passage of Scripture that talks about how we raise godly kids in the Bible. This is the one. So if we can get our hands around this passage of Scripture, okay, we're going to have a foundation for the rest of our lives on how to raise godly kids. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time doing that. And just so you know, to give you a little bit of background on this, this is when Moses... Okay, is about to go towards the Promised Land, but he didn't get to go because he messed up. Because So they are sitting on the verge of the Promised Land. The old generation that had been wandering in the desert for 40 years is dead. Okay, And so this is Moses, his swan song to the 2 to 3 million people of Israel. Okay, And he is saying, bam. He does three sermons in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is one of his sermons where he says, hey, you have got to remember this if you're going to make it, as you go forward. Verses 1 through 3. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgment which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. So Moses is saying, hey God, you've commanded me to teach the people of Israel that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes And his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay. We don't have time to get into all the background. Okay. So let me just tell you, if you're looking to burn a few quiet times, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9 would be a great place to spend some time because there is so much here to unpack, but we're just going to kind of skim the cream off the top. Okay, but the thing that you need to know is that it is a command, okay, for you to teach God's ways to your kids. It's It's an imperative command. We don't, from God's perspective, we don't have an option. So when we are not teaching our kids in our home, okay, we are not pleasing the Lord, folks. This is a huge deal to Him. Huge. We're commanded by Him to teach these things to our kids. I'll tell you a great story. Sunday after uh, after church, Todd did the whole creation thing. Tricia is uh, is a bi- was a biology teacher for seven or eight years in high school. And by the way, I forgot to do this at the beginning, but I've been married for about seventeen years, and I have three daughters. Okay, Kelsey and Kaylee are twins, 13, whoo, and Kendall, 11, whoo, it's coming, okay? Yeah, and, and so, so that and this is Trisha's hot button, right, biology and all that kind of stuff. So she gets home, and I'm, I'm at the office still, and they're kind of working around, and Trisha's like, oh, girls, come on. So she sits my girls down, and for 30 minutes, she sits down, and she walks through this whole origin creation argument that Todd went through, with our girls, because she wants them to be able to stand up in the public square and be able to do what Kirby did. Man, Kirby encouraged my girls on Sunday, and Trisha sat down and taught my girls. And so after Trisha called me on the phone and said, hey, you wouldn't believe what I just did, and so I'm sure I could just see the girls going, oh gosh, you know. So I get in the car, ask them a little later how they did. They go, oh dad, 20 minutes of class today. <laughs> okay, so, but man, they got it, and Tricia said they asked great questions and, you know, we get the, oh, shoot, are you kidding me? You know, some of that kind of stuff. But, man, we are commanded to do that stuff. And so Trisha sat down and talked to our girls about this whole idea of origin that Todd talked about on Sunday. And so here's the second thing. So, number one, we're commanded to do that. The second thing is there is a link between obedience and blessing all throughout the Scripture. Okay? Obedience and blessing okay it talks about it in here if you will do what i say then i am going to bless you now i got to go off i went to oru all kinds of charismatic roots in my life and stuff like that i heard all the time okay that blessing means you're going to get rich false okay not necessarily true okay that if you will obey, you are going to be blessed. In the Old Testament, that meant for them that you were going to have long life, you were going to have land, and you were going to have little ones. Three L's. okay, Long life, land, and little ones. Okay, That's what blessing was in the Old Testament. So God is saying, if you will obey, here are the things that you are going to get. They are linked. Obedience and blessing. Okay. Somebody know? i have them stand up just to keep our blood. Anybody know Joshua 1, eight by heart? This book of the law? Anybody stand up with a loud voice? Come on. All right, stand up and give it to us, Jeff. Zay, if you will meditate on that book, man, well done, bro. Yeah. You will make your way prosperous and have success. Not rich, okay? Prosperous and success. That might mean peace. That may mean a lack of trials. That may mean all kinds of things. But there is an, a link between those things. Even in the New Testament, John fourteen twenty one. I know anybody know John fourteen twenty one? Is John Cox in here? John, what's fourteen twenty one? The only reason I called John is you quoted it two or three times in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Do you what? Well, I do a different change. Those who obey my commandments are the ones who. That's right. That passage. Well done. Sorry about that. The problem with that is that's my boss. Okay. (laughs) So I will hear about that. Okay. I promise you okay but that verse is it just says that if you will obey at the very end jesus says to the disciples i will reveal myself to you obedience and jesus tells us who he is we all want to be christ like okay? we want jesus to reveal himself to us that's what we want that's what we do as christians that comes from obedience okay Obedience and blessing, obedience and intimacy are completely linked, and that's what this passage right here is talking about. Okay? So here's the deal. Why teach so you will prosper? Okay? With the right definition of prosper, that's why you teach your kids. Okay? All right, second point in this whole deal what to teach in verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That sound familiar? Matthew 22, 37 through 39 in the New Testament. Again, Moses telling the people, this is how you are going to be prosperous in the land that you, are, that, you are, that you are going into. This is called the Shema, okay? In Hebrew, in, in, in the life of the Hebrews, this is called the Shema. It was the rallying cry for all of Israel. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. They lived among people that were polytheistic. They had a ton of gods. So they would, as part of their national tradition, this is what they would walk around. They would sing and shout and slogans and all that kind of stuff. Hero Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Okay, the only real good illustration I can help you with that is it's the way we feel about freedom okay, in the United States. Okay, we have holidays, we have celebrations, we put up banners. Whenever we get attacked, we freak out because folks are a- attacking our freedom. Okay, our rallying cry in the U.S. Okay, is freedom. Okay, the rallying cry of the Israelites was hero Israel. The Lord, our God, is one. That's how deeply connected this was to those people. So we're asking the question, what do we teach? Okay, we teach our family, our kids, how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. We would say it at Watermark, okay, what do we teach? We teach our kids what it means to be fully devoted what that means. I had several folks encourage me to talk a little bit about this story. I heard a couple of folks mention it in, in the breaks uh, or in the, the other breakout sessions. My, my twins turned 13 on June the 29th. And so all through them growing up and all that kind of stuff, we've had various conversations about sexual things and purity and all that kind of stuff. But we kind of knew, we kind of stood on the shoulders. How many of y'all went to Brett and Sherry's Johnson's on the whole purity thing? Man, genius. Okay, what they do... We, we just do what they do, okay? Um, and so we, we set aside early in the spring, said, okay, we're going to take a weekend, okay, this summer for each one of our twins, and we're going to take them away. We're going to take them away somewhere. We're going to do some fun stuff. My girls like the shop, so we took them to some cool shops, gave them some money, said, you can't leave the shops until you've spent every single penny of it, okay? And we just did some really fun things, and we went away four or five hours, went to Tulsa with one kid and Waco, eh, uh, with the other... <laughs> But, 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 they still, but they still had them all, which is a great thing for my girls, okay? And, and so we took them away, and in the car, and we used the stuff from um, Family Life Ministry called Passport to Purity, but, but not entirely, okay? So what we did, this was a welcome to adolescence weekend, okay, is, is what this was. That's what we called it. They knew it was coming. And so we covered four major things with them over the course of those two or two and a half days. The first thing we talked with them about, and these were very direct conversations and we just said the first kind of the first session we did was hey let me tell you it reminds you about our household that is that god and his word is the ultimate authority and we use it to be our authority conscious and guide in everything that we do at our house we have bet the farm that the bible is true okay and that's how we're going to live our life okay the second thing that we talked about in that first session was the authority of your parents okay, is that God has given us, Trish and I, as flawed as we are, the authority and the responsibility to raise godly kids. And so I know you're not completely thrilled about this whole deal. It's a little creepy, I think, for them to kind of disappear just to focus on them for a while, okay? But, but we're going to go do this. And so after they heard the shopping and the money and stuff like that, they were all in. Thank okay? <laughs> Okay, so we went, and so that's what we talked about the first, the first time. The second thing is we just unpacked the whole idea of peer pressure. What does that mean? What does that look like? How does that work? What's going on right now that's in your life where you're getting pulled? All those kind of things. And we just had some great conversations around the whole peer, peer pressure deal. The third session we did with him got a little creepy too, was just the whole, I mean, we, and we have talked. About the whole sexual thing before different pieces. I mean, but we unpacked it all—mechanics of intercourse and all that kind of stuff. Okay, on this thirteenth birthday. Okay, so, all right. So, Dad left the room, okay, for about thirty minutes, okay, uh, just to make Kaylee feel a little bit more comfortable with this whole deal. And Tricia went through all of that, and then I got to come back in and do the how boys worked. Okay and got to talk about what they're like, and all of a sudden, for for Kaylee on this deal and for Kelsey, all this modesty conversation we've been having for all these years, bing, light goes on. Boys like to look at girls' bodies. Oh, that's why y'all want me to wear modest clothes. Now I get it, and this whole thing just kind of started to make sense for my girls. And so I got to come in and tell them that guys are idiots and they have one thing on their mind and you can't date till you're 60. Okay. So we had that conversation that didn't go over super well, the whole dating part of that. Okay. And so we talked about that. And then the last, the fourth session that we did was we said, okay, and this was awkward. Okay. I just want to tell you, it's one of those things that you just want to kind of bail out on. But the whole idea was how do you maintain your purity? What does that look like? How do you do that? And so we sat down and we gave Kaylee, a list of ten things, and this is all in the Passport to Purity. I didn't create this. Okay, but it's ten things, and we want you to rank these things, okay, in succession is to watch from least intimate to most intimate, to being alone with a boy, holding hands with a boy, kissing a boy, French kissing a boy, touching below the neck, touching below the waist, laying on the couch with clothes on, laying on the couch with clothes off, intercourse, the whole deal. And we just handed that to her and said, rank them, okay? What do you think, okay? What does that look like? And she's a little creeped by this. And so the first conversation we have is, what of this don't you understand? Okay, which of these things? Let's have that conversation, okay? And so we did that. And so Tristie and I had to take a time out and say, what do we think about the, you know, kind of, do, <laughs> kind of do that whole deal, make sure we were totally on the same page, okay, with what was happening on uh-uh, that thing, came back, and we had a great conversation with Kaylee. And so the ultimate question at the end of that session is, hey, where do you want to draw your line? Based on what God's Word says, which we've already talked about, based on what you know we think about this, as we've had conversations before. Is that bugging some people? <laughs> Okay, great. Thanks. Um, so, so, we had, so we had her kind of figure all that out. Where is your line? Where's I line? And man, she came back and she said it in a great, a great place. And she came back with a really insightful question. She said, well, dad, it feels like maybe it ought to be different when I'm a young teenager and maybe a little different when I'm an old teenager. And I said, okay, great. Let's talk about that. What does that, what does that look like? Okay. And we just really encouraged her. And you know what, folks? There is no guarantee that my daughter is not going to have sex before she gets married. None. Now, it will eat me alive if she chooses to do that, but there is no guarantee. I have got one of the godliest guys I know in my life that his daughter at the age of 17 came up and said, Dad, but I want to have sex. What do you do with that conversation? Right, Hey, you're 17, I'm going to watch you every single minute for the, all the rest of your life to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay, So here is the point of all this. We're talking about what do you teach. We wrap that whole weekend around this passage of Scripture right here, right here. and it's Colossians 1, 17 and 18, and here's what it says. It says that Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And here's where the rallying cry for the Kegler family. Okay? So that he himself, Jesus himself, might come to have first place in everything. That was the whole reason we did that weekend. Not just in your sexual stuff, not just in your peer pressure, how you act at home, how you treat your sisters, that Jesus gets first place in everything that we do. So Israel... The Shema, U.S. freedom, Kegler household, Jesus gets first place in everything. Now, that's the rallying cry. Does that happen? Lord, have mercy. No. But it's what we're shooting for, that we want to teach our kids why, what to teach, full devotion to Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give Jesus first place in everything. However you want to choose to say it, it doesn't make any difference. But make sure the rallying cry of your house is full devotion to Christ, however you decide to say that. So that's what we want to teach. Third thing is I want to give you the key to kind of passing this teaching on. Okay, And we're going to talk about it in verse 6 right here. Hey, These words which I, commanding, which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel, not to the kids. So the bad news or the good news for all of us is the key to teaching your kids to obey God and to be a disciple? You. That's the key. Okay? Your own spiritual transformation, okay, is the key to teaching your kids how to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Okay, we've already told you two great stories, my wife and Todd's wife, when there are times when God's grace come and rescues like crazy, but I'm with him, I don't want to bank on it. I don't want to presume upon God that he's going to rescue my kids because I did not do my job as a parent. Okay, and so can I tell you something? If you are in CR, if you are going to re-engage, you are doing the best thing you can do to parent your kids. A home run. Okay? Because you are saying, I am not finished, I've got work to do, and I want to be transformed to look more like Christ. Man, that's what you want your kids to see. The, the, if you try to present yourself as perfect to your kids, you're in huge trouble. They know better. Mine knew better at two. Okay? They know better. And so this, the whole idea of going to CR or re-engage or being in Summit or whatever that is... Okay, that whole deal, it just admits that it's just humility, right? That, man, I don't have it together. I need help. Okay, and guess what? Your kids get to see you transformed from the time that they're three or four years old and they know what the heck they're doing to the time that they're 23 or 24 out of college. They need to see your spiritual transformation. Okay. I'm going to take a little bit of a rabbit trail right here, and I'm just going to stop and tell you. Part of that spiritual transformation that I think we're missing like crazy is this whole idea of praying for your kids, okay? If you didn't go to Jim and Judy Wimberley's breakout on how to pray, you need to get the notes, okay, because it is spectacular, okay? And what they do with their kids is absolutely amazing. But if you are not spending time in focused prayer for your kids Folks, we're in trouble, okay? You need to be praying for your kids. We did a a couple of weeks ago, the staff wrote a book or read a book called The Power of Praying by a guy named E.M. Bounds, and it's one of the classics on prayer. And so we're in there, and for about 45 minutes, um, all the staff was standing up saying, hey, this is what this meant to me, and this is how this affected me, and all, all that kind of stuff. And then at the very end, my, my assistant, Aaron Shipley, uh, who in a crowd is pretty shy, okay, one-on-one crazy woman, okay? Um, and she just said, she just real shyly kind of stood up and said, hey, I, I can't speak from a pastor's standpoint about this whole praying thing, but, but let me speak from a daughter's standpoint, okay? And she said every single morning that I got up, whether it was to use the restroom or to get a drink or whatever, 4.30, 4.45, whatever it was, I would look up, and in the living room was my dad on his knees with the light on in the scriptures every day. I'd go back to bed, okay? I'd get back up at 7 or 7.30 in time to get ready for school, and I'd walk into my bathroom, and on my mirror was, hey, babe, this is what I prayed for you today. Come on. Man, that is great stuff. And so I don't, I don't know what your prayer routine is, okay? I have no idea. All I'm asking you today is just take the next step. If you're not focusing prayer on your kids, man, do it for two minutes a day, okay? And if you're already doing two, man, move it to five. Use that stuff that Jim and Judy gave out as a way to pray for your kids. But I am telling you, as you continue to be transformed and you pray for your kids, God is going to begin to transform them, Okay? So, what's the key to teaching your own spiritual transformation? All right, the last piece of this passage in verses 7 through 9 says, how, how do we teach? You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is how you teach your kids the commands of God. So somebody, just yell at me. If you're thinking about this passage of Scripture right here, when do you teach your kids about God? All the time, okay? When they're in your house, when they're in bed, when they get up, when they're walking on the street... Okay, it is a constant conversation, okay, that is an overflow of your heart. We just talked about the key is your spiritual transformation. Folks, a lot of us get freaked out and legalistic about all these, we've got to do all these Bible studies and got to have these family devotions and all that kind of stuff. Man, that is great stuff, okay? And you should be doing those hard-focused time with your kids. That's great. But my opinion, the most important times... Or the in-between times, the teachable moments, okay, that you take with your kids. So to say to your kids at dinner, hey, hey, babe, here's what I, here's what I learned today in my time with the Lord, okay, or to talk about, hey, I'm really sorry that I was sharp with you today. Th- those are conversations about who God is. Tricia took Sunday afternoon and she did a formal structured time, okay? But I got home after that, and I just said, hey, tell me a little bit about that. How was that? What did that look like? What do you think? All those, And so that all the time, these conversations are happening. So take advantage of the teachable moments. Just to give you a little bit of an example, my youngest, Kendall, is 11, and she, um, she's a pretty good athlete and, uh, and is very competitive, all from her mom, of course. Okay? Um, and, and so we were going to play basketball for the first time last year. And so Kendall really wanted to be on this other team that have, had a couple of um, better athletes on it that could catch the ball. Okay? Um, and, and so, the, um, so the, the teams came out, and she didn't get on that team. Okay? And she was on a team with a, a bunch of girls that were her good friends from school. Nothing okay, on the athletic side, okay, and Kendall's, like I said, very competitive, and it, it was, she was hurt by that. She was like, Dad, this is going to be miserable. I don't want to play. I mean, tears, just thinking about all that kind of stuff, and so, and, and this is God's grace, but in the midst of that, I, I went into her room one night, and we were talking about that, and I said, Kendall, hey, here's the deal. I'm going to be the assistant coach, and and I didn't tell her that I was frustrated too, okay, uh, because of the team I was going to have, sorry, um, <laughs> that we might not win a game. Okay, um, but I went in and laid down and put that whole thing aside, and I said, hey, we've got, we, we've got an opportunity here. Okay, I don't know if we will win a game. I don't know if we'll score a basket. I don't know if we'll get across half court, okay, but what I do know is that I'm going to purpose to make a difference on that team, and I want you to to do the exact same thing. We may not score a basket, but we're going to make a difference, you and I, together. And so we prayed that night and said, okay, Lord, here we go. And God didn't have to do this, okay? He didn't have to. But at the end of the year, we were 3-3, and and two of the games that we lost, we lost by one point each time. And so at the end of that season, Kendall came back and she said, she said, Dad, we made a difference. We made a difference, didn't we, Dad? And I'm like, yeah, babe, we made a difference. And so that is ingrained in her brain for the rest of her life, that when I'm in a situation okay, that, that's not going my way, that's not the way that I, that I want it to go, that's hard, I can make a difference. Okay, When we think about the kingdom of God, God wants us to love him and to love others and make an impact on the world. Folks, that was a small step for us as we start to have this whole idea of how do we create disciples, that we want to make a difference in what we're doing. So the whole idea of how to, how to teach, you teach constantly out of the overflow of your heart. Okay? For that moment, that night, I happened to be tuned in to what the Spirit of God was doing. I can't tell you how many moments I've missed because I was not tuned in. To what the Spirit of God's doing. And I've missed it with my kids. I just happened to catch that one. We've got an incredible opportunity, okay, with our kids to make disciples who can change the world, okay? And so I hope that anytime you're feeling insecure, feeling guilty, whatever it is about your parenting, that you'll go back to this foundational passage that will talk to you, that will tell your heart why you teach, what to teach, what the key is, and how to, te- how to teach this. Just be reminded that it's a constant deal. We have a great opportunity to change the world. So here's what I want to talk to you. Just We've got about just five or so minutes left is what we've got. At Watermark, we are moving, making this shift to this whole family ministry idea. And so I just want to talk to you a little bit about the components uh, of that, if I can. Some of the things that we're going to do so that we all are working together to raise godly kids. And the first thing is just that there is a commitment for church and parents, there's a commitment in my heart and the leadership at Watermark, just for church and parents to really work together, okay? That we're going to church, leaders of small groups, parents, all that kind of stuff. And like I said earlier, we don't know yet what that's going to look like. I had a great conversation with a good buddy of mine, Grant McWilkin, uh, that goes to our church. Is Russ here? Russ and Amy still here? Okay. We had a great, great story. We were talking. He asked me every now and then. He called, and we were having lunch, and he just said, hey, Kyle, tell me. I said, Grant, any questions about the building or something like that? And he goes, man, no questions for me. And this is not a story about the, the building and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, no, I don't have any questions. And I said, really? He goes, nah. I said, well, are you concerned about how much it's going to cost and all that kind of stuff? And he said, not really. I said, well, why not? And he just said, dude, he said, I cannot pay you enough for what I'm getting from Russ Holm, who was hanging out with my son on a weekly basis, coming to his soccer games, loving on him, continuing to confirm all the stuff that we're teaching him at home. He goes, tell me what the number is, and I'll do everything I can. To help that deal, he said, I-, I can't pay you enough. And so, when it's working right, folks, when the church and parents are working together, it's incredible. Okay? And so, that, that's our heart. That's what we want to have happen, man. I get up and go out and walk and pray early in the mornings and stuff like that. And I come back in, house is dark, and my Kaylee, 13 years old, man, got the light on on the couch, got her journey journal open, and she's in the scripture. 10 minutes. A day is what she's doing. Mom and dad aren't making her do that. Okay, she's setting her alarm 10, 15 minutes early, hopping up and in God's word. Mom and dad have talked about that, but you know where she's getting at? Small group leader, Lindy Thompson. Okay, and Ashley are saying, hey, you guys need to be in God's word on a regular basis. Hey, here's how I do it. What do you think is going to work for you? Huh? Great. Man, when it's working right, it's incredible. So that's our commitment to do it, to do it together. The other thing that we're going to do is that we're going to begin to worship together as parents and kids, okay? Now, we're not going to do that every week, okay? And some of it we're not going to be able to accomplish until we get into the new building and all the, all the stuff that we've got. But our dream is that we have parents and kids together in the same room watching the common experience so that you can walk away after that and say, Hey, what would you learn? How was that? What did you think about that? We've got this, when we're sitting around dreaming, we're talking about dinner theater stuff and everybody meeting in the middle to go out and go serve in the community and all this stuff about how do we put parents and kids in the same experience so that they've got common language and common ground to look at. And then the last thing, the last component of this whole family ministry deal is just this whole idea of a resource center, just that we want to have people and resources available to anybody that's wrestling with stuff that comes, that comes up. I mean, there's a ton of folks here, single parents, men that are wrestling with some really hard stuff. I want to have a list of five single parents, man, who are walking with Christ and living that life as best that they can so that I can say, boom, here's five email addresses that you can go talk to. Parents that have got kids that have got ADD or ADHD and are struggling at school, bam, here's four or five folks that you can go talk to. Okay, folks that have got kids that are, um, just have, just, I mean, we've got some kids right now in our children's ministry, I mean, that are just, we can't, we can't get them, we can't, it's just, they're a total distraction in terms of what we're doing, and so we called the mom out of the the worship center last, two weeks ago, and she came, and she was kind of pensive, and oh no, and what's going on, and I just talked to her, and I said, hey, we're not mad, we're not angry, we're not frustrated, we just want to man, we want to help you. Is this same thing going on at school? You know, Well, yeah, it's kind of going on at school. What's the counselor doing? Well, a little bit of this, that, and the other. He said, well, we're not mad. We want your son. We're thrilled. We want to love him, but we want to help you work through this deal. So we want to have a resource center, folks, that's going to be able to help you with whatever is coming on. When you get ready to talk about sex, Man, we want that passport to Purity stuff right there for you to be able to look through and see is that exactly what you want to do and have some folks that have done that so that you can talk to them and ask questions. And so this whole family ministry idea, I am so jazzed about, I can't stand it. But for one more reason. Okay? If we start to do this well, the church and parents and the family partnering together, and we do it well here, the world's going to come to our doorstep, okay? And they are going to say, I want some of that, okay? And so my dream is that there are PTAs that are calling the Watermark Equipping Institute, and they are saying, hey, can you send me, okay, can you send me somebody to come talk to my parents at our PTA meeting about ADHD or about, I sat in Jay and Jenny Burns' breakout today for a little bit on the prodigal child. Can you come talk to us about prodigal children? I am telling you, man, if we do this, and we do it right and do it well, we can change the world. You change your family, you can change the world. And so we just want to be a resource to you. Again, my whole team was saying, Kyle, don't outpunt your coverage, man. We don't have anything yet, okay? <laughs> okay, so I'm just telling you, as we had a parenting conference, I just wanted to tell you what our heart is. I don't know how fast... All this stuff will get developed, man, but I just want you to know our heart. And if you're interested in being part of that team and and helping out with that, man, let me know in an email or do something like that because um, we want to make a difference through family ministry. Okay, let me pray for us. Father, thanks for the great privilege uh, that we have to be your children. Father, and you love us and care about us deeply. And so, Father, I pray that you would equip us, Father, to love our kids well and to raise kids who are fully devoted to you. Father, we tell you we cannot do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Father, we're going to mess it up anyway. But, Father, we're thankful that your spirit, forgiveness, covers a multitude of parenting mistakes. And so when we do do that, we're going to get back on with the horse and we want to keep going. Father, would you help us to do that? And I pray, Lord, that Watermark would be um, a, a city on a hill for this whole idea, that folks would come to us and say, hey, talk to us about what you're doing because how you love people is different and how you care for people is different because your kids are different. And so, Father, would you help us with that? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.